0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Give yourselves a hand. You made a smart choice. You're in God's house. God bless. You may be seated. It is such a joy to be here. I love this church. I absolutely love Christian Life Church. I've been in or around or near this church almost my entire life. Uh, It's a very unique deal. There are three senior pastors in a row with whom I was related. That's because of a lot of inbreeding, I guess. But anyway, still uh, very uniquely. I had an uncle. I had a cousin. And then my brother-in-law, very unique to have three pastors in a row, which means when I was in single digits and we were in the little bitty building that doesn't exist anymore, I remember being in church here and then growing up in and around and seeing what God is doing. You've made a great choice. In fact, I believe you, you wisely chose the second best church in Texas to be in, and that's not bad. Best church in Austin. Let's say it that way. Come on. I love my sweet sister, my brother, truly is my brother, more than a brother-in-law, Rex. I love him so much. They're girls, my nephews-in-law. It's just a great family. If you want to see legacy and how you do life and ministry together, this family exemplifies that. It is great to be with Ricardo and Jeanette. Uh, We've known the Sanchez family a long time They've been on our stage many times, and it's just, but it's been a while since we've, we've done anything together. And I love his anointing, his gifting, you, and uh, the songs he writes that we sing at Grace. Uh, great couple, great people. They've got a great family as well. And then you're here. You're here. I am glad uh, Pastor Jay said it, my son Spencer. He's 22 on his last semester of college. He's at home because he was involved in services, but I am glad to have Melanie, my my girlfriend and wife, my first wife, and then uh, Savannah, my boo, my daughter, who uh, is just, I think she's just going to live with me for the rest of her life and make me happy. (laughs) So I'm glad she's here. Dream on, Daddy. Daddy. (laughs) Palm Sunday, Holy Week. Such a great time to come and worship and celebrate and to be in God's house, and, and for you to come, and, and you know, you're the smart ones, you, you you got your day started, you handled whatever you needed to handle this morning, either you slept in, or you, you got your workout in, or you, some of you, you might have played nine holes, and you what, whatever you did, but here you are, the last service of the day, uh, I want to commend you for what you're doing on Palm Sunday week, and if you're new to CLC, I urge you, come back Wednesday night at Tarn Wells, Jabin uh, Chavez is going to be phenomenal. The next weekend, Pastor Jay, if you've never heard Pastor Johnson preach, he is a one-of-a-kind Amen. walking legend yes. and a great, 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 great preacher. So, so come for that. But today you get me. So what we're doing, we're starting small we're ramping up to Easter. But I, I love to study the life of Christ. I love to study Jesus what he would do, what he would not do, where he would go. In fact, a week ago Friday, we just got home. We took 50 people, and we spent 10 days in Israel touring the Holy Land. And Yeah, it was, it was amazing. You, everybody ought to go. You ought to go at least once, because it, what it does is it takes Scripture that we, we see in 2D, and once you've been there, it kind of gives you a 3D understanding of Scripture and Christ and those things, and to to look at Literally Saint Peter's house, and know that Jesus was in there to to see the synagogue they just recently discovered in Nazareth, his hometown, where people were saying, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" And to recognize Jesus, I mean, he was in that synagogue. He he that that's where he grew up, right there. And just it just really. I, 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 it really intrigued me to look at the hillsides, to look at the Mount of Olives and to think he walked here, he lived here, he he functioned here. And I love to study where he would go and what he would do. And what I love about it is he is... Uh, He's the antithesis of what a lot of religious people would think. Because if Jesus walked up to two settings, and over here you have a a table of theologians and religious people and the real devout. And over here you've got a table where one guy's already, you know, three sheets to the wind. And and, and there's another woman that it's questionable what she does or does not do for a living. And then there's what, if Jesus had, he's going to go to this table and sit down and talk with these people before he's going to sit down with the religious crowd. I like that about him. Well, first of all, the stories are better over here anyways. But just to see where he would go, what he would do. If you, if you study the life of Christ, you're going to find he was very much an outdoorsman. He, he was basically a Cabela's catalog. He, he climbed mountains. He, he went boating. He went fishing. He went camping. He, uh, of course, he'd also walk on water and do things that other people don't do, and it's not in the catalog. But he he would go places. He would do things. He attended people's weddings. He, he loved to go to dinner. If he was invited, he'd go to dinner to someone's house. You, the only thing I could cannot find him ever doing is you cannot find in scripture where Jesus ever attended a funeral he just didn't show up he just wouldn't go to a funeral, and, I, and I, he'd do so many other things. He'd take boat rides with you. He'd come to your house to break bread, but he's not going to come to your funeral. So let me just start and tell you this. If you're, if you're planning on having a funeral where you're going to bury your hope, your dream, your plan, if, you, if you've got a pity party lined up and you, your, your intent is, let's going to say, it, it ends here, it's over now, what we had hoped for is not going to happen, don't expect Jesus to show up. Because he just doesn't come to funerals. If, if, he, if he crossed anybody and they were on their way to a funeral, if the cops were pulling them over because the procession was coming through, the most he would do is interrupt the funeral and he was bad for business. Undertakers didn't like it that much because now we, now we, you've got to refund everything that you just had together and call off the whole, uh, the whole parade going to the cemetery. He just didn't go to funerals. In fact, I want to draw from, from Scripture a story about him that I, I find so interesting and so phenomenal, especially as we begin Resurrection Week. And I want it to get into your spirit and be something that you just hold on to, you ruminate on, you think about this. Uh, because sometimes you can get, let's just face it, folks, life is tough. Life is challenging. Every day is not a Sunday. I hate to tell you this, I just look. Tomorrow will be Monday. Yeah, yeah. Everyday's not Sunday, every day's not church. Every day's not like it is right now. There are challenges. There are, there are issues that come our way, and how we handle them are so vital and important. And John 11 gives a story that I, I want to pull just a few truths from and share with you. John 11:1 says, "Now, a man named Lazarus was sick." He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now notice that. The one you love is sick. They didn't have to say Lazarus they knew when you tell him it's the one he loves, he will know who we are talking about. Because everybody knows he loves Lazarus. With my sweet sister Patty, if you were to tell her, your brother whom you love most is sick, she'd know it's me and not Brett. It's I'm the one because it's who you love most. So Lord, the one you love most, the one you love is sick. This was in the middle of a good time. Things were going well. Things were, it was a good season. It was an upbeat time for the for, for the followers of Christ, for Christ Himself, for these people. It was it was a great thing, and then suddenly sickness came upon him. And isn't it amazing that, that that's what happens? That all it takes is a day. All it takes is a phone call, and everything changes. Everything changes. Just just one diagnosis, one word from a doctor, and it can it can switch the pattern of your life. I remember a year ago coming in from a week of fishing and camping in the Boundary Waters in Minnesota and coming home and wanting to tell Melanie and Savannah what all Spencer and I experienced and how big the fish were and show her pictures. And she said, well, that, before you do that, I need to tell you something. It's okay. She said, I had a call from the doctor this week and then all of a sudden it didn't matter we'd been fishing, it didn't matter what we had been doing because now you're telling me that there is a possibility of something and it can put a doubt where you, where you, you, you had hope earlier and now you have a doubt I, I want to talk to real people who are facing real issues and I want you to understand how Jesus sees you, what you're going through and what he can do on resurrection week because, because it, it just takes a call, it takes a word a word like cancer and we can say that the name of Jesus is a above every name, but I will tell you there are words, there are names that creep into our vocabulary that can make you shake a little bit. When you get the phone call or, and the principal's calling, and they're not calling to tell you that your child made honor roll. The, the dream marriage, when it becomes more of a nightmare, whenever, the, I'm telling you, life is tough. They, it, it, you're not in a room of people who have it all together. You're in a, you're in a room of people right now, just as, as the person who's speaking to you is, that, that we don't have it all together. Everything's not working well. Everything's not right. Everybody's not cooperating. Not everybody's here. If they have a cat, their cat doesn't hit the litter box every time. Everybody here. We got some folks here right now, don't even know where their car keys are and they drove here <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that life is tough there are challenges we all face issues we literally while I'm speaking life can shift and change that quick and we, and we face life, and how do we face life? And here we have the story of, of Jesus and the one he loves, and he gets word, the one you love, you know who it is. We don't even have to mention he is sick, and Jesus hears and responds in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. It's amazing how you can hear what Jesus says and you think you know what Jesus meant. Did you not just say, this will not end in death? Now, if you've been anywhere around church, here's what you already know. And if you're new to church, spoiler alert, Lazarus dies. But Jesus just said, it won't end in death. And one of the most challenging things to do is you take what Jesus said and you think you know what he meant. Right. Because if you said it's not going to end in death, then my assumption is he's about to get healed. Amen. But that's not what he said. He just said it will not end. It won't end. It won't end in death. And when it's all said and done, the Son of God will be glorified. Amen. So, I know you think you thought what he meant is what you thought he meant, but you don't always understand what he means when he says what he says. Did you understand what I just said? Anybody here married understands that it's not always what they say, it's what they mean. When Melanie tells me, I don't care where we eat, what she's actually saying is, I don't care where we eat as long as you choose one of the places I have in mind. And my challenge is, what's in that beautiful mind? What, what, what? Would just, just if you would just tell me, but where's the mystery in that? So just the the, the quest. So, oh God. So I, oh, just any, any amens? Okay, yeah. So you think you know what Jesus meant when He said it's not going to end in death? But I don't know that we really know as much as we know that He said what. What you really got to grasp is when it's all said and done, I'm going to get the glory. And I'm just going to tell you right now, whatever you're facing in life, here's a word you can take to the bank. When it's all said and done, he'll get the glory. That's what you do need to know. It it may not work out like you thought it was going to work out, but he will get the glory. Jesus will be glorified when it's all said and done. So I'm not going to read the whole story. You can read from verse 5 to 14, the rest of it, but here's what happens. Jesus, the one you love, is sick, okay, and then he does absolutely nothing. He doesn't just do nothing for a while. He doesn't do anything for two days nothing he does nothing while they are freaking out he's just hanging out he's literally killing time i work for someone who i don't always understand i, I thankfully i learned at one point that my job is not to be god's spokesman because that just gets me in trouble. How can I give you a declaration of what God's thinking whenever I've got more questions than I've got answers? But here's what I can tell you. He always does right, and he will be glorified. That much I know. I can't explain why he did nothing, except he said when it's all said and done, the Son of, Man will, Son of God will be glorified. So finally, after two days, he says, we, we need to go to Judea. And the disciples are saying, "Now, now, Lord, things have turned there. They want to kill you there. So if we go there, they're going to kill you." And he says, "No, no, no. We need to go." He says, "Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. We need to wake him up." Now he wasn't saying Lazarus was tired. He was saying, metaphorically, what he meant was he's dead. And we need to go raise him from the dead. Our friend Lazarus is asleep. There's actually several deaths in this story. Lazarus is one death, but there's, there's three other deaths I want to look at because Lazarus, we're going to get to his outcome, but I want to look at a few others because th- there's, there's a lot of dying that happened here. It's amazing how something will die in our life. There's a, I'm wondering, are you still praying every prayer you've prayed? Do you still believe every promise you believed? Or at What point do I bury a promise? At what point do I lay down a prayer and just assume since he seems to be doing nothing, nothing must be the answer, and we, we just kind of roll a stone in front of it and say, well, that one's dead, and we move on on to the next adventure and we we walk away from that dream that hope that plan and literally what's happening here there was there were other deaths that happened first of all thomas one of his own disciples when jesus said no we've got to go uh and thomas knows what's happening there that lazarus is dead and they want to kill jesus and thomas is dead in his doubts doubt can kill you we call him Doubting Thomas. He says in verse 16, he, he, he literally, you got to hear him say this, he says it with sarcasm. He says, "Well, well, let's all go so that we may all die with him. Oh, great. Okay, so that, that's the plan. We waited. We hung out for, for all these days. Now we're going to go. So now that we're all going, let's all go. I just doubt it's going to work out. I doubt it. I just I, I, I cannot see how this is going to work out in our favor. I just can't see how the tides are going to turn. I just cannot. I just, so let's just all go die. Great. That, well, good plan, Lord. I'm wondering how many of you would be honest. In fact, I, w- I want to survey the crowd right here. Would be honest enough to say, you know what, I'm here at church because I believe in Jesus. I mean, it's a Sunday. There's a lot you could be doing at noon besides coming to church. So you're, you're here because you do believe in Jesus Christ. But, but how many of you, I wonder if there's anybody to be honest enough to say, but when I came in, I brought doubt with me. Because I, I don't have it all figured out. Anybody, anybody saying, I, yeah, I, I've got doubts? Yeah, I see a few hands. Now, to the rest of you, and preached to you just for a minute from a different verse, it says, All liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. Because the fact is, we all have doubts from time to time doubt creeps in. Doubt works its way in. Matter of fact, uh, there's another sermon that sometimes doubt does you a little bit of good but 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 doubt here it's, it just, it just. I just don't know. I just don't know because at some point you have prayed a prayer and it didn't happen like you thought it was going to happen. You followed the formula and the formula didn't work. You you did what scripture says and you see for somebody else. It happened for them but it's not happening for you and you can't help but wonder what, what's up with all this God stuff. How, it, it, it seems like I see what happens when, when but when, when Randy Davenport does it, and I see what goes on in his life, well, what about my life? What, what's happening here? Or maybe you grew up in church and you have a simple faith. You literally just believe, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But then you went to a university, maybe one close by here I know of one. And when you went to the university, you had a teacher who took that exclamation point of belief and absolutely bent that thing into a question mark. And now I don't know what I believe anymore. I mean, I'm here, but I've got some doubts. I... I can't answer everything. I, I, I don't know everything. Or, or Just life can happen. The bad things do happen to good people, and, and you can wonder sometimes. Pastor Jay mentioned that I, I served him as an assistant pastor. I did. I was 20 years old. Melanie and I got married at 20. We don't recommend that for anyone, but that was the going thing back then. So we got married, and, and right after we got married, they offered us a job. We moved to DeRitter, Louisiana. And we moved to DeRitter, and I become assistant pastor and youth pastor to the Pastor Rex D. Johnson. And, and man, what an adventure. We learned stuff together. I learned a lot. I, I got to hear him preach. And in hindsight, he was in his 30s, and then just realizing how young he was. But we, there was some stuff that happened. We had a revival one time, had a great evangelist great evangelist the man could preach i mean he could preach and we thats back when we had sunday night church come on somebody anybody know what i'm talking about sunday night church sunday morning you got together and you kind of did a pep rally but sunday night we had church church yeah yeah take the r out of it i'm talking about count the bobby pins on the floor we had church and so we were having church, and this man preached on the anointed handkerchiefs, and he was talking about the disciples, how they would anoint handkerchiefs, and people would take the handkerchiefs, and miracles would happen, and it's in the book. It's, 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 well, the next thing you know, we're inspired, and people start bringing handkerchiefs, and we're anointing handkerchiefs. And, and there was about five that Pastor Jay and I together prayed over. One young man named Paul in the youth group came to me and said, I want you to pray for my uncle. So we anointed that handkerchief, and Pastor Jay and I, we prayed over that handkerchief handkerchief and then there was a another young lady who was on my youth staff came and said pray for mama she's in the nursing home not doing well so we anointed we prayed over that one there was another sweet family that said our brothers in dallas he's not well would you pray we anointed, we anointed five we prayed together five the prayer of faith believing it it's in the book we stand on it and then church was over a few days go by It's Thanksgiving week. They load up to go to Oklahoma to be with family. Melanie and I stay to take care of church on the Thanksgiving weekend because that's what assistants do. (laughs) He gets the turkey. We get the stuffing. So We'll move over here. so literally the day he drives out of town i get the first phone call that the little lady at the nursing home died so i go to the nursing home i'm i'm like 21 years old going to the nursing home and there lays that sweet godly woman's body and the young girl in my youth staff that says you know mama and they literally lift her head and reach under her pillow and get the anointed handkerchief and she says this that's this is the handkerchief we just anointed sunday and i'm like yeah thinking Then we have to call to let Pastor Jay know, hey, we've had a death, uh, so you probably going to want to turn around and come on back home from Oklahoma and have the stuffing with us because we're going to have a funeral. And, and, and before they're even home, we get a phone call that the loved one in Dallas, he died, and I'm just thinking, we're 0 for 2. And, and, and then that weekend we had church and young Paul and my youth group came up and said thank you again Pastor Scott for you and Brother Johnson praying over my, my uncle I said how's he doing he said well, well he died we were 0 for 3 I, This isn't good. all 5 people died well the problem is we're not getting up and announcing we want to give thanks to the Lord that everybody your pastor and assistant pastor prayed for died it's not good for business But that Sunday after Easter since he is home people are coming up with handkerchiefs saying, "Hey, I'm still thinking about last weekend. Pray over this with me." And we're looking at each one each other like Should we do this or not? Is this your mother-in-law? How you what, what? Talk to me. We were old for 5. My point to you is, I don't always understand, and I have doubts. And after service today, if you want Pastor Jay and I to pray over a handkerchief, <laughs> Thomas had doubts. I've got, I don't understand why it didn't work for me and it worked for others. I, I can't, you can't explain, and sometimes you can be dead in your doubts. Mary. This is the woman that we know in just a little bit, she's literally going to lavish worship on Jesus like it's unprecedented. She's going to pour perfume on him and use her hair to bathe his feet, to anoint him for his burial. It's going to be phenomenal what she's going to do, but here she, she's dead in her discouragement. You just don't see anything good happening and you can't seem to catch a break. It literally says in verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Jesus is coming to my house, but what's the point? Imagine being so discouraged that he is coming, the rabbi is coming. Why even put on my clothes and leave the house? Some of you, the fact that you're in church today ought to be a victory that you celebrate because the cloud of discouragement has been so strong on you. Listen, discouragement is real, depression is real. Some scars you can show and you can explain. Other scars are just as real just because you can't show them. And you you can't show a broken heart, but a broken heart can hurt. And you can be just like Mary where you are you are dead in your discouragement and she she literally just said, "What's the use? I just I'm just going to stay home." I want to commend you that you made yourself get to church today in spite of what you're feeling. You you left the cloud out there and and you walked into God's house in spite of what's going on in your world. You, you, you're not dead in your discouragement. Discouragement, discouragement. I, I, I don't understand what's going on out there. I can't, I can't change anything. I feel all alone. I'm struggling with depression. It's just a dead-end life with a dead-end job and a dead-end marriage. Discouraged. That may be where you are right now. It's Easter season. You're not going to show it. We don't tell people. We've learned how to play the man, how to fake it, how to walk through. We've got automatic answers. We, we're, we're just all, hey, good. Happy Easter. Good. I, I told the other crowd that uh, I, I have a pet peeve of people that give automatic answers when you don't ask a question. When you just say, hello. Good, good. <laughs> I didn't ask you. I just said, hello. You're on autopilot. You got your automatic answer and your fake face on, but you're discouraged on the inside. And we're going to wear spring colors, but we're wearing black on the inside and grieving on the inside because discouragement is in there. And you're smiling out here, but inside you're dead in your doubts, you're dead in your discouragement. Or maybe you're like, Martha, she was dead in the delay. Why did he take so long? Jesus should have been here sooner. Did we get word to him? Yes. Did you tell him it was Lazarus? Yes. Why did he take so long and no one had a good answer? Even when you can't track God, you got to trust him. Even when you don't understand, John eleven seventeen 17 says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now in the time that this story happened, in the time of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it was a common belief. It was a wives tale. It was folklore. It was believed that when a person died that their spirit left their body but that it would linger and stay near for up to three days before it finally completely departed. And, and, and while they knew it was wives tale I know how you hope beyond hope that if he'd have shown up on day one when the body was still warm there's a chance or day two day three there's a chance in fact this is the reason why when jesus said after three days i'll come back this is the reason why all the religious folk and the romans said we're gonna do everything we can because what if he dies but he's not completely dead And, and and so we got to keep him in for at least three days but this was four days so even the folklore and the wives tell of the spirit lingering for three days he missed the window there are many times I've told Jesus, this would be a good time right now for you to step in. This would, be, this would be a perfect moment. If you're looking for a right time, Jesus, in my mind, in my mind, this is the perfect time for you to intervene. Right now would be a good time. But they're about to walk out. The, before they walk out of the house, now would be. And then they, he doesn't do it. She, she said to him in verse 21, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died, in fact, the King James says it best it's just got a word we don't use, but it's a it's a good word. She said by now he stinketh. How many of you well, you don't have to raise your hand but it just stinketh right now. life stinketh my marriage stinketh the situation it's it stinketh. It's it, it, we've we got. De, it, it's decomposing. It's after four days of a body being untouched. It's it, it's ugly now. It's it's not pretty anymore. There was a time there that that you could have, as Pastor Jay said earlier, it looked natural. You looked, but not anymore. By by now, it stinketh. He stinketh. You got here too late. You if you'd have gotten here sooner, some of you are waiting on an answer, and you had your timetable, and you you kind of had it figured out, and it's not working on your timetable. I re- remember Melanie and myself, we, we decided in DeRitter, hey, we think we want to have a child and had no clue that fertility was going to be an issue and, and where we saw other people who seemed to accidentally get pregnant when they weren't even trying. We, 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 nine years of specialists and doctors and tests and procedures and injections and going through and just saying this was not what we had in mind. I, we've got teenage girls accidentally getting pregnant. We've got other people uh, wanting to abort their pregnancies, and we're over here saying what? We're, we're struggling with our discouragement. We're dis- struggling with our doubts, and we're certainly dis- struggling in our delays. I want you to hear me today. God's delays are not God's denials. Just because it's been delayed doesn't mean you've been denied. He has a timetable, and it's not your timetable. When he does what he does, it will be known by everyone that the Son of God will get the glory. He will get the credit. It will be done where people say if it had not been for God, that would have never happened So I don't know where you are today, and I know you're asking why God, but I want you to hear me. His delay doesn't mean you have been denied. Just because it hasn't happened does not mean he's not in charge. He is working, and he works on his time. He has his plan. He, his timetable does not always fit with your timetable. Scripture says that to the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Sometimes I feel like God tells me, wait a minute. And then I start wondering, my kind of minute? Your minute? What kind of minute? Because I I thought, you know, we'd be here by now. I thought by now. How many times have you used that phrase? I, I thought by now we would... And I'm going to tell you what I did. I, of course, I, I like to study, and I use software, and and it's it's a great software, lots of books, and I need all the help I can get, and I need pictures. I have a lot of pictures I have to look at because I, I think simple, but this week I went over and I picked up this this particular Bible. This is my marrying and burying Bible, and I I just wanted to hold it in my hand, and I went to read this exact same story out of this Bible, and when I I do it, I've got it marked here. It's on page 818 and 819. On those two pages, this entire story. Now, for them, it's a lifetime, but right now, it's two pages, and if you're on page 818, here's what happens. Over here, uh, Mary stays home. And over here, Lazarus says, well, hey, I mean, uh, Thomas says, well, yeah, let's just, uh, why don't we all go die? And over here, Martha says, by now he stinks he stinketh that, that that's over here but then you move over to page 819 and it's the most interesting phrase on 818 she says we had hoped you'd get here in time on 819 she says it's verse 22 she says but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask I know that even now everybody say even now Somebody needs to get an even now attitude that it is not the way I intended. This is not what I wanted. I had it planned a different way. It doesn't fit with what was on my my calendar, but I know that even now. The marriage stinketh. My, my adult child is acting like an idiot. I, I see nothing but trouble. I lost the job. Things are not coming together the way I wanted. But I know even now, if we could just shift you from 818 to 819 and get beyond the, the, the doubt and the discouragement and, and all that and just move you to say, but he's still able. I know even now. In fact, it'll be more of a miracle now than it would have been then. I know even now, God, you can do whatever you need to do. Some of you need that even now. Even now, while you're discouraged, His presence can come in and build your faith. Even now, when you feel all alone, there's nothing like the Holy Spirit to to give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Even now. You can transition from 818 to 819. Don't, don't you think it's time to turn the page? Let's just, it's just time to turn the page, even now. Even now. I, I'm excited right now for a young lady It's a part of our church. I say she's a young lady. She's 51. She's Melanie's lifelong friend, lifelong friend. And this girl has had so many services where she's had a minister, a man of God, or a woman of God, someone say... He's here. The answer's in the house. You're going to get a good man, a godly man. You're you're going to be, and she's always been a bridesmaid. She's never been a bride. 51, never been married. A wonderful lady. Beautiful lady, intelligent lady, great lady, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And it's not because there haven't been opportunities. Losers are about a dime a dozen. And there, I mean, from farmers.com to, to there, there were options. There were, if she were to lower her level of, 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 expectation and if she would lower her level of how she wanted to live her godly life she there were plenty of opportunities but how many of you know there's worse things than being single don't don't look at them but there's worse things than being single and she has always been a bridesmaid and then just the other day at a wedding she walked up and i met the man with whom i will marry her in about a month for the first time it's finally happening. It took 51 years. But even now, even now, she finally turned the page. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection. The last day, she, she was confused. She's thinking about the resurrection, and, and, and she didn't understand. So Jesus looked at her in verse 25, and he said, no. I am the resurrection and the life. Now you you, you gotta really catch that. He th- there's a lot of people who won't tell you who they are. I, I am all that. R- Ricardo's had many a person tell him, I am a songwriter, and or I'm a singer, and, and here's what I've discovered: you're not a singer till someone else tells you you're a singer. You may sing, but you're not a singer till someone else tells you you sing. I'm gonna help some of y'all with that right there. I like to watch those, those reality shows when everybody comes in. Mama told me I'm a singer, and then the judges say, you're not a, you're not a singer. And there are people who say, I am. Muhammad Ali said, I am the greatest. And he was for his season of life. And Stallone said in one of his worst movies, If Crime is the Disease, I am the cure. And, and he was in that one. But when Jesus said, I am the resurrection, it wasn't a braggadocious statement. He wasn't speaking in hyperbole. He was literally saying, Look at me, I am the resurrection and the life. It's, it's, it's who I am. It, here's what I'm trying to tell you. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Jesus is the resurrection. It's who he is. It's, it's what Dead things don't stay dead. That's why he didn't go to funerals. He would disrupt funerals. He is the resurrection. He is the life. That's who he is. And that word resurrection, here's one definition straight from the biblical dictionary. It literally means to stand up and recover. Stand up and recover. Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, I am the stand up and recovery. I am the stand up and recovery. I am the stand up and recovery. Think about it now. If that's who he is and he is in you, if Christ is in you, he's the hope of glory. When he stands up, you're going to stand up. When he stands up and recovers, you're going to have to follow suit. He is the stand up and recovery. So bring on Monday, and when Monday gets here, you're going to stand up and recover. Everything's not the way I want it. Everything in my life isn't perfect, but even in my discouragement, I stand up and recover. Even with my doubts, I stand up and recover. He is the resurrection. He's the stand up and recovery. I love that. Let me let me end. John eleven forty three. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now right before this he told his disciples, You guys move the stone away. You all do the heavy lifting. I'll be the stand up and recovery. I've heard Pastor Jay preach. First of all, nobody can preach like this man can preach. It was so funny. When I worked for him, I used to say, hey, can I use your notes? And I would take his notes, and I'd go preach in other churches, and I discovered it's not in the notes. Because I would say what he said, and they just looked at me. And I'm like, well, what if I do this? Like, and and, and I try to do stuff like, and, and they, because he's just one of a kind. Because that's all we need. He is too good at being who he is. But I've heard him preach that the reason why Jesus had to first say, Lazarus, come out. If he have just said, come out, every dead person in there would have walked out. So he had to specifically say, Lazarus. Because I am the stand up and recovery And I'm here So Lazarus come out And so it was Lazarus who came out But I, I want you to catch this He comes out and, and verse 44 says The dead man came out Hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen A cloth around his face Jesus said Take off the grave clothes And let him go Now l- let me just land with this I want to contrast this With the great story You're going to hear next weekend About the stand up And the deliver uh, And recovery about, about Jesus The resurrection But two interesting Interesting things, both of them in graves. We just visited graves. We, we saw more than one grave in the Holy Land. We went to one grave that is believed to be where Jesus was buried. And I say believed to be because there's two different places in Jerusalem that they say we believe this to be the spot. We think we were at the right one. I did tell them as a Texan, if, if y'all come with me to Texas, I'll take you to the Alamo. <laughs> and it's the Alamo. Not believed to be, it is. But, you know, a little bit of Texas comes out, no matter where you are. So. But all of them that we saw, massive stones rolled in front. With Lazarus, Jesus said, roll the stone away. Yes. And then he said, Lazarus, come out. With Jesus... Early in the morning, the little women came, and they wondered, who will roll the stone away so that we can get to the body? With Lazarus, Jesus had the men do the heavy lifting. With Jesus, God himself handled it, and the women got there and found that the stone had been rolled away. And and you got to think about that. Now, wait a minute. This is this is the stand up and recovery. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We know that when he was dead, it wasn't like he was just laying there. He was doing things. He, he went down into hell, took the keys of hell from Satan. Satan doesn't even have the keys to his own house. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from him. He, he is completely victorious. We know that he's in a, a glorified, resurrected body There was one scene that happens where the disciples are hiding in a house, fortified, locked in because they're so afraid. And Jesus walks up and the door is locked, so he just steps through a wall. If you can step through a wall, what's with the rock? In fact, on his triumphal entry... There were people saying, make the people be quiet. Tell everybody to shut up. Tell them to stop worshiping. And Jesus responded, if these people hold their peace, rocks will cry out. So, so you got to understand, he, he, he has no issue with rocks. Rocks will worship him. The stone was not holding him back. And it's not like Jesus said, you know, I, that, that's my kryptonite. I, I can walk through a wall, but I can't get through a stone. That, that was not the issue. The stone for Lazarus was rolled away so that they could experience the stand up and recovery. The stone on Jesus' tomb was rolled away, not so that Jesus could come out, but so that we could go in. Right. You, it was for us. One grave that was moved so he could come out. Jesus' grave, it was moved because we need to go in and look and say, yeah, he's still not here. That's the reason why we think we were at the tomb of Jesus, but we're not sure. It was borrowed. He came out. It's empty. He's the resurrection and the life. It's not an event. It's a person. I'm saying that to you because you've got to know. You've got to know that even if it stinketh, if you'll roll away the stone, whatever it is you've blockaded, if you'll move and open yourself back up to possibility, bring your doubt, bring your discouragement, Bring your frustration with the delay. It does not bother him in the least because he is your stand up and recovery. And when it's said and done, you're going to acknowledge if it hadn't been for Jesus, he gets all the glory. There's no way I could have worked this out. There's no way I could have made this happen. This was a God thing. Stand with me. Now, earlier I asked about doubts, and there are just a few hands. But I want to give another opportunity. If you're here today, and again, you're here because you believe in Jesus. Now, I want to stress to you, you may believe in him, but it's vital that you don't just believe in him, that you know him, that you commit your life to him, that you let the resurrection and the life take over. So I, I want to make an invitation from the balcony down to anyone, maybe you're here and you're, you're here, but you've, you've got doubts because life's tough. Or maybe you're here and, and, and the discouragement, the depression is real. Or maybe some of you, it's just that delay. It is just not happening on your time schedule and you thought by now, but it just hasn't happened. I want to invite you to just come and stand as close as you can. I, I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want to believe that what we're going to do is turn the page. We're going to go from eight eighteen to eight nineteen. We're, we're going to have, we're going to declare that even now, even now, He's able. That's what we're going to do. I admire your honesty. I admire your candor that you walking up saying it, it's everything. Everything's not right. Everything's not great. I, some of you are here, and you you've got a you left a war zone at home. You got a burden about that. Some of you, you're, you're, it's, it, it, you, there's just a constant concern. And we're told, don't, you don't have to be concerned. You cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. That translation literally means get a running start and throw your cares as hard as you can on Him because He cares for you. Now, I want to ask all of you that are here just to lift your hands. And what we're signifying right there is this is me removing the stone. I'm dropping my guard. I'm surrendering my will to your will. And I want to pray for you. In fact, I want to ask you to pray after me right now. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the resurrection and the life. You're the stand up and recovery. You know why I'm here. You're completely and totally aware of why I'm here. So I commit it to you. And I know that even now, come on, say it again. Even now, you were able to speak life, to bring life to this situation. So I thank you now for what you're going to do. And I glorify you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I challenge you to begin to praise Him. Come on.